Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here and on this week's episode I'm going to be chatting with Rebecca Heinemann to learn how she built her own design agency after a successful career working at marketing agencies. But before we get into the interview, I can imagine some of you are thinking, wasn't last week's episode the finale? It was, yes, but I had a couple of episodes pre-recorded that I planned to release as part of season four next year. But thanks to Holabreev, who has sponsored this episode, we have two more bonus episodes as part of season three. So we got this week's episode and then we got another one uh, about this time next week. So um, what is Holabrief? Um, basically, if you're looking for a, a system to collaborate with your clients to create a project brief, Holabrief is a fantastic new solution that will help you to um, do that. It will help you to define goals, ask questions, create user personas, positioning maps, competitor maps, and, and more. At the moment, it's completely free to use. So I recommend that you you go check it out and you can find it at holabrief.com forward slash logo geek um, so that you can just try it out for yourself. Uh, so hola is spelled H-O-L-A brief.com and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the interview. So as mentioned this week I'm interviewing Rebecca Hyman who after a successful career working in uh, marketing agencies she decided at the age of 42 to start her own design agency Craftwell. In this episode we discuss her background the steps that she took to start her own agency and some of the challenges that she faced along the way. So let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Rebecca Heinemann. I'd like to steer the conversation around the creation of uh, your agency craft well. But before we get into that, to, to give us some kind of background context, would you be able to talk through uh, what you was doing prior to starting your agency? Sure, sure. I'd love to talk about that. Um, I've had a really fun career in design for many years. Um, you know, I will say after college, I took off a little bit of time to to dabble in different things. And then uh, finally around 27, I got back into design and I started at a very interesting music startup in New York City and was a designer for the the website. And that's how my career started. I was doing banners, online banners at the time. So that was one of my first jobs. And then um, skipping far ahead, I finally started working at well, I worked at HBO for a little bit. I worked at Universal Music for a bit um, and then landed at an ad agency, which was one of the best career moves I ever chose and um, worked there for about seven years. And um, that was in New York City. And then from New York, we decided to come out to LA after being in New York for about 12 years. We really needed a change. So we came to LA and that was just a few years ago where I was the creative director at Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is one of the largest insurance health insurance companies here in the United States. And I had a team of about 20 designers and UX uh, designers across the country. So I managed a team that was partly remote and partly on site. 
And that was very, that was very interesting. I actually helped them build their digital capabilities and their video capabilities. And then at 42, I had my first child. And so that's really what changed everything. And that's when I decided I needed to make a career change and have more work-life balance. And that's how Craftwell started. So, I mean, I, I understand that, that you um, had a child at that point, but was it purely because you felt like you wanted to work from home that you made the, the, the choice to start your own agency or, or is there more to that story? Well, I really needed to have work-life balance at that point. Yeah in my life because when you work at an agency or when you're the creative director and you're managing so many people you are working around the clock you are you know, especially at an agency you're working 10 hour days and especially here in LA the commute can be very long my commute was an hour there and an hour home so to be away from my child for 10 to 12 hours a day just wasn't an option for me. I mean, some women can juggle it all, but I have found that something, something will fall, you know, will end up falling to the ground. And I did not want that to be my, my family. So I knew that I had to make a change so that I could really call the shots in my, in my schedule. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, having the child really did, make that decision for me. I had to make a change if I wanted to be able to, to juggle it all. And it really was the best thing that I ever chose to do. And today my son is four and a half and I consider going back to an agency, but I don't think I would do that at this point because I've made it work for me and I enjoy being able to make my own schedule. Do you find that, that you do have a work-life balance now? I do feel like I have a work-life balance now because <laughs> I have to log off every day at five o'clock because I, that's yeah. when I have to pick up my son from school. So it, 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 it puts that time limit on it. And then the rest of my night is, is for me and for my family. So I work a solid between nine to five. I work those solid hours, but then after that, I'm, I'm pretty much out. I will say, yes, there are times I have to hop back on for a client and do some work at nine o'clock at night. It does happen, but it's, it's, it's more rare and I do it out of, and I do it because I enjoy doing it. I'm not, I'm not always tethered to that office because, um, you know, someone else wants me to be there in it. And when you're at an agency, it's night after night after night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've experienced that too. Um, I mean, I haven't actually ever worked for a branding agency as such, but I can totally understand how easy it is to fall into the trap of pretty much working late every yeah. single day. I've yeah. I've been there and it's, it's exhausting and, um, mm -hmm. you know, just doing my own stuff in the same way that you, you are, you do have a lot more control over it and um, you have more freedom in your life as well because you don't have that commute. You're not Right. tied to anyone else you can call the shots and stuff like that right right you know and I I don't I mean I loved working at an agency but it's a for me it you know work I did it from you know from 30 for like 10 years 10 12 years and you have to really be able to dedicate your 
dedicate a lot of your time to it. It was the best experience ever because you learned so much. And that's something I can talk about more later. But, um, you know, I, I definitely loved working there, but it just doesn't jive with my, <laughs> with my schedule now. Mm-hmm. I can imagine there's listeners that are in the same boat as you and, and feeling in the same way. So I, I do want to uh, dive into the steps of how you created your business sure, and sure. everything that you did. But just before we go into that, I, I just want to say there, there's a lot of young designers out there that are trying to build their own business like you are. And, and I don't necessarily think that's a, a good thing because like in your case, you you built up a number of years of experience. Uh, you built agencies, you've managed mm-hmm. teams, you, you've seen how things work. You, you've probably made all of those mistakes uh, that you would have made in those in those areas and you've been able to learn from different people around you. So based on um, your experience, I think what you're doing, it just makes sense as the next step for your career uh, progression. But what would you advise for people that are just starting out? Would you advise them to take the same route as you are, like working for other people and then build your own thing? Or do you have any uh, regrets for um, not working on something like this, uh, you know, earlier in your life? Um, I don't have any, well, any regrets. I do wish I had started sooner at an ad agency. And I worked at some internet startups, which was definitely very fun. And I learned a lot there. And it's kind of fly by the seat of your pants and everybody digs in and, you know, you wear many different hats. But when I worked at an agency, the level of of expertise just takes it up a notch. It's almost like getting your MBA in in the design business because you're working with account people, you're working with very senior creative directors, you're working with incredibly talented copywriters, and you start to really dig, dig into the strategy of everything of, you know, every project has a, has a creative brief and you start to really learn how to dig into the strategy. And, and there's no, there's not just one way to dig into the strategy. There's a multitude, multiple ways to dig into the strategy. And so I really feel, and if this is, you know, one little tidbit that I think is so important for people is, is working at an agency or a good design shop is so key because, you learn so much more than just being a designer. I mean, when I started at the agency, I thought that I was just a designer. I made things pretty. But when you work at an agency, you learn that there's strategy behind it. You learn how to get up and speak in front of your clients and you learn how to pitch your ideas. And that's incredibly hard to get up in front of clients and try and win their business. And um, you just learn all the different areas from the account area, how to be an account person, how to um, manage the financials, how to how do I how do I price this out? Um, you learn the copywriting aspect. You know, not only am I a designer now and a creative director, but an art director, but I'm also a copywriter because I you are you're pressed to learn that side of it a little bit as well. So. Being at an agency, I think, is the best way to start out because you are just going to learn every aspect of the business when you do decide to go 
off on your own. Mm. I totally agree with that. I mean, I've, I've spent the last year working for an agency and it's only been in the last few years that I've um, started to go out on, on my own. And there's um, experiences that I've been involved with, which would probably be impossible on my own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just, just one example is, uh, for example, working on a project for a company as big as Barclay Card. There are systems and people involved like uh, legal teams and all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. The, 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 the politics are very different and being surrounded by account managers and company directors that have spent the last 20 years right. with projects like this, I could not have learned what I've learned through those experiences any other way. Right, I would right. not learn that on my own. I would not learn that by listening to a podcast, watching a YouTube right. video or whatever. The only way to actually get that experience is by working for an agency. And you get, I don't know if you had the same, you get thrown into situations that you are not okay with, you know, right. like standing up in front of 20 people and talking through your work. You wouldn't choose to do that on your own. And that's not only made me a better uh, well better at my work but a more confident person and you know it's helped me grow as a person um so i just want to stress with this episode to be honest with <laughs> this, this part people listening that are students they're thinking of starting their own thing because they've seen some youtube video of other people having success go out find a job spend 10 20 years learning from other people and then build your own thing because you, you've got the experience like you do. You've mm-hmm. got experience working with teams. Right. You've got graphic design experience, strategy experience. There's, there's students coming out of university that think that they could be brand strategists, but <laughs> you can't be a brand strategist without the experience. You know, you need to build that up. And the best way right. to do it is to find right. a job in an agency. Yeah. One of the things we always say is like, is you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. If you're not experiencing all the nuances and the different situations and the different ways that these brands, you know, want to strategize. If you're not experiencing that, you're not going to know. And it's, it's not just one way of doing it, you know, it, because there are some, you know, YouTube, um, podcasts or video, there are videos that talk about, here's the way to do branding. Well, that's just one way, you know, there are, when your client comes to you, there are so many different nuances and in different ways that you need to tackle it. That it's by, that's by, you know, by working at an agency, you're going to see, you know, the different ways that you can tackle a project because just that one way is not going to do it every time. And you may lose clients that way. So yes, I think, you know, working at an agency is, or a great design agency is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's let's talk through the steps that you you took to build your business. So as you mentioned, uh, you spent a number of years working for different agencies, you had a baby and then you made that you made your mind up, okay, I want to start an agency. <laughs> Can you talk through what was the first things that you did in order to kind of build the agency up? Sure, sure. I can talk about that. Um, you know, there, I, there weren't any like, you know, I'm going to hear the five things that you do. I think it really became, started out of necessity because I needed to, I knew I needed to do it. And so it grew organically and it grew slowly 
And sometimes I take a couple steps forward and sometimes I take a a few steps back. Um, But the way that I, I started out, I don't think I, I also don't think I started out thinking right away, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, today I'm going to open the doors. I'm going to have an agency. Like I said, it grew out of necessity. So I started to reach out to my contacts and that's another great reason why to work at an agency because you, you, you build such a great amount of contacts that way. So was reaching out to the contacts the first thing that you did or did you create some kind of brand name and so on first or (laughs) you literally went out there looking for work first? Okay. So, yeah. So specifically there was, I did decide, okay, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to create the agency and create a website and my positioning, which is very hard for someone to do on their own. You know, I wanted to do everything, especially coming out of an ad agency. I felt like I can do, you know, I, I've done everything. I I do the whole campaign. So I had to reassess that, like, what can I do for people and my clients, you know, being a one woman show when I first started out try and pare that down, though it was hard to do. So anyways, yes, I did build a site and I brought on some people that I could reach out to on a as needed basis so that if I did get a big project, I would have resources. And um, yeah, so we started out with the website and then re- and then I did a capabilities deck, my capabilities deck, which I think just helps you to assess in your own mind, what is it that my agency can provide for my clients? And then I started to send that deck out to different contacts and also just personally writing contacts. And that I think for me personally was the best way to get some of my clients. Can I just quickly ask you, you you mentioned about the capabilities deck. Can Mm -hmm. you just quickly explain what that is? Sure. So the capabilities deck is basically a little intro about what your business does. And then I got into more specifics of the capabilities, such as we do branding, we do web design, we do graphics. Um, And so I got in, I get a little bit into that. And then you talk about the clients that you service. So they, know who you've worked with and what your experience is. And then I did three case studies to really highlight the different work that we do. And then um, wrapping it up with bios of, um, you know, what my background is. That's kind so of would you do nutshell. that as um, a PowerPoint presentation or a PDF? Mm-hmm. I did mine in Keynote. You can do it in PowerPoint okay. also. And then um, I just save it as a PDF. And I sent that out to clients right, okay. or contacts. Yeah. That's good that you're getting into the specifics. Sometimes <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't get into all the specifics. I, no, that, that's so, my yeah, role. I'm glad, you know, ask, <laughs> ask the questions. <laughs> okay. So there was another thing that you mentioned about um, positioning as well. I think it's worth going into that in more detail as well, because you know, this mm-hmm. people are starting out. Some people don't know what to do. And I think it's really good that you've done that because mm-hmm. you've obviously been able to establish what you want to do and where you're going to be focusing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk through a little bit more in detail on that area? Okay. So positioning is actually very important to me. Um, 
And it's something that comes up in every creative brief that is a big question for me when I'm even talking to my own clients. So you want to make sure that your positioning is very succinct and is very specific. So because that is what you're always going to ladder up to when you are creating your branding. And so for Craftwell, I wanted to try, it was really hard to do for Craftwell because like I said before, I wanted to be able to do everything, but really it's your, your positioning should be very succinct and maybe one sentence. There's actually a formula for it and I don't have it in front of me. Um, but there's a, a formula that you can follow and I wish I had it in front of me so that I could really yeah, walk you I mean, you what we could um, <laughs> do with that, uh, if you can send it to me afterwards, what we could possibly do is link to something or add something into the show notes for this episode. And then yeah. um, people that do want to follow that exercise, they still got that resource because you don't need to talk through it now if, if no. there's something that um, people can reference. Yeah, but, I would love to share that. Yeah, I think that would be really good. I will just say, like recently I just did positioning for a client of mine and she wanted to take a crack at it first. And it was interesting because it was very generic. And the thing about positioning is you want to really try and dig deep into specifically what makes you you different from the rest of the competition. And that's what's important about positioning, make, finding the specifics that make you very different from your competition out there. Yeah, um, I wanted to quickly ask you on that topic. Um, a, a lot of what people talk about online is niching down, you know, finding one specific target audience or focusing mm. on one specific area. But correct me if I'm wrong, as far as I understand, you are pretty much offering um, lots of different things and that's working for you. Is there any particular reason other than wanting to do everything that, that you didn't choose to niche down at that point? I guess it's because of my my agency background. I mean, when we would take a project from a client, um, we would do everything from creating a new logo for them to then concepting out the campaign. And then I would even help develop the program, say for someone like, like right now, well, I don't want to get into two specifics, but just developing that entire campaign so that like right now I'm developing a starter kit for Allergan for birth control. And, you know, I've helped to develop the packaging to the, the logo, and then ultimately we'll develop the website to all the materials that then go out to the physician and the materials that go out to the consumer. So I'm so, and then I've, and then also that includes developing the campaign, doing the photo shoot. Um, so you're doing the whole kit and caboodle at an agency. And so then I just, you know, it just, I just can do all those things. So I want to continue to be doing all of those things for my clients and which I am right now, like right now I'm working on a conference. So I'm doing everything from developing their logo to blowing it out to the actual floor show, their posters, their flyers, their website. So I do still, I do do a lot. Mm. No, I, I think it's, it's, good that you've said that because not everyone needs to focus on one specific area 
um, I think that can get boring as well. Um, like there, there's uh, positives and negatives to uh, niching down, and I obviously it's working with what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that would be comforting to people like yourself that do want to do everything. Um, I think it takes time, though, too. You know, yeah. and I think that's where the ad agency experience, the the ten years, comes into play. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in the beginning. You know, you need to really have that experience so that you do know what you're talking about. So you do know how to plan the whole thing, that you know the background, you know the production, you know how to write the copy. And it doesn't just come from, you know, day one saying, okay, I know how to do this. Like, there's a lot of little details that you need to know how to do. So it was hard for me to niche down. You know, a lot, you know, there were people that told me I needed to, but... Um, you know, you just take what, you know, you, you take what you know, and you, and you just keep moving forward with it and building on it. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the, the most important thing is that you're making money from it and enjoying what you're doing. Like you you don't need to take the advice of, of everyone if it works for you. So I, I actually, I actually like that you have a niche down because it's a good example of <laughs> that you don't always need to, and and that you can still be a, a success if if you choose not to do that. I just want to take a short break to tell you a little bit more about Hola Brief, who has sponsored this episode. Up until now, to gather information from clients, most of us are using PDF forms or Word documents. But the team over at Holobrief have designed an entirely new tool to help us collaborate with our clients to gather the information that we need to focus on strategy when working on your design solutions. Within the system, you can easily define goals, ask questions, create user personas, positioning maps, competitor maps, and so on. Creating these things previously could be quite time consuming, but Hola Brief make this really easy to create these things collaboratively with your clients online. If you'll be up for giving it a go on your next project, you'll be happy to hear that it's currently free to use whilst it's in beta mode. So if you want to try that, just head over to holabrief.com forward slash logo geek. Now let's get back to the interview with Rebecca. I just wanted to ask about another area that you mentioned, because you mentioned about finding people that you could potentially work with Mm -hmm. I looked on your website and it looks like you Mm -hmm. have a team am Mm -hmm. I right in making the assumption that you're basically working from home on your own and then you would outsource the projects to those people should those projects come up or or is there more to that well I actually have expanded to a studio I have a nice little studio and um I do have a a designer that works for me part-time so we are trying to expand. Then, like you said, yes, as projects call for it, I do bring in different people. If I'm working on a big website, then I would bring in a project, my project manager, and I would bring in the UX person. I tend to do the a lot of the UX myself, <laughs> yeah. so I don't bring him in as much as I would like to. Um, the copywriter, I have someone part-time copywriting with me as well. 
so yeah, you know, you bring in the people that you need at the time that you need them. Yeah. I just wanted to ask as well on that. Um, I read a book a few years back called The E-Myth Revisited. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. But in that book, it really stressed uh, like the importance that you should be working on your business, not in your business. And I like mm. what you're doing, that you are taking that method where you're not doing everything. You know that you don't need to do everything and you know that building a team is going to uh, be able to would mean that you're able to basically take on bigger projects and offer uh, more services to your clients. And I, I've liked I like how you've been able to build that on your own from the beginning by finding people that you could potentially work with so that you got all of that sorted so yeah. that you can comfortably say yes to that project, knowing that you don't need to be running around trying to find right. suitable people. So I think that's a good it's good that you've done that. And it sounds like with the studio space that you have, even though it's, is it just yourself and um, an intern at the moment? Mm. But you've, Myself you've in kind a, of, in one, yeah, yeah one you've design, laid, yeah. you've laid down the foundations to build on that. So right. it, it sounds like you are going in that direction anyway. Right. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's just, you know, it's slow. It's taking, like I said, a few steps forward in that direction and then there are times where the work slows down. And so, you know, you need to be able to retract a bit and maybe then I'm doing more of the work myself. Mm. And then, but then having that team that you can call up when, the, when projects do increase, you bring them in so that you're, you can juggle a few projects at the same time. Mm. I, I will say, you know, one of the, you know, Chris Doe gave me, you know, a lot of good advice about, you know, really trying I think trying to expand the business, but you know, there's also a point where you, for me, I've realized I don't need to be, I don't want to have so many projects that I'm overwhelmed. I like having just a few key projects and a few, you know, a few people working with me. I don't need to be huge bringing yeah. in a million dollars a year. Yeah. I'm actually happy with just, you know, having a nice flow of yeah. projects. And when I do have downtime, I look at it in a positive way for time to actually really dig in and work on the business and see where we can expand again yeah. or what we can improve upon. Yeah, I, I think it's important to know what you what you want to do because I'm doing similar to you. I've got no plans to grow my service, even though I, I, I possibly could do that. But there becomes a point where you you start to think why am I doing this and right uh there's times when I'd rather say no so that I have time to do other things and in in your case you know having um a child at home that you want to make time for I just feel like that's more important to you than anything else and the the agency that you're building is a way to make sure that you've got an income right. and that you've got more freedom as well. So And doing what I love. I mean, I absolutely yeah. do love doing this. So I, I love having good clients that give me creative work. Mm -hmm. um, so always, you know, always just trying to make sure I'm getting good clients, not the ones yeah. that just want production work, but the ones that really want good creative work. So that's I think always we can a go into that. I think we can go into that area now in a little more in a little bit more detail because obviously when you're starting out a business, there's all these things that you can do, but without clients, you've got nothing. To be honest, that's <laughs> clients is what 
what brings in the income, uh, mm-hmm. what brings in those projects and so on. So what have you been doing to find clients and uh, maintain uh, a flow mm-hmm. of clients coming in? Well, right now I'm actually so busy that I have not been looking for some new clients. So that's a really good thing. I'm actually booked up till the end of December. So I feel pretty lucky. So my head is kind of down right now, Mm -hmm. but when things are slow, that's when I start to take the opportunity to um, connect with past clients. The ones that I, that, you know, I haven't heard from because those are the ones that you already have a good relationship with And, you know, sometimes they just need a little prodding, like, oh, right, Rebecca's there. She can, (laughs) Craftwell can help me out. So I tend to reach out to um, the the clients or the contacts that I already know. If they're people that are in town, I make lunch dates with them to connect on a personal level. If they're in New York, because I have a lot of clients in New York, I just try and pick up the phone and see how they're doing because I have a pretty, you know, with a lot of them, I have a good relationship where I can just call them up and say, you know, how are things going? What have you been up to? So a lot of times I find that the personal connection is the best way to go to, um, to, to get your clients back on board or wanting to mm. do a new project. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. Um, I can't remember what the stats are, but people spend a lot of money trying to find new clients and and finding new clients obviously can include like networking mm-hmm. um, you know which you're sacrificing times for you can spend time marketing online you can spend money mm-hmm. on that the the physical time and money investing in finding new clients is substantially higher than engaging yeah. and, and re- retaining the customers yeah. that you already have and I think that's one benefit of actually not niching down because you are able to easily present other options and mm-hmm. you can provide those people with with a much greater offering and um, you probably only need a handful of clients to keep yourself busy for a long time <laughs> yeah once you find like you know I I try and find Look, my, one of my clients is Allergan. You know, it's they do Botox. Uh, that's one of their one of the products that we work on. And you know, once you find a big client like that, it's ongoing work. It's my bread and butter. It's continuous. You know, there might be a month where things slow down, but there's a con- there's continuous flow there. So having a big client is very is very helpful. And the way that I got that client was because I had worked at an agency and was good friends with the creative director there. And now she's at Allergan. So I called her up out of the blue one day, or actually I emailed her and I just said, Hey, if you ever need some extra help, let me know. And, you know, I think it was maybe a month or two later that she rang me up, but um, now that's one of my biggest clients. Hmm. So having that contact is, is how I got that, got Mm. it's been really interesting because i've um, done about 30 interviews now and i've uh, spoken to different people at different levels and in general the the people that have been able to get fairly big clients they Mm -hmm. get them because they build uh, relationships with people they get to know different people Mm -hmm. um they obviously keep them informed of what they're doing they're basically doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing and that seems to be one of the best ways um to actually get proper clients um yeah. because you they they know you they trust you and they like you yep. 
and mm-hmm. that's why they want to keep working with you because they know that you can do a good job and they pass on work from other people you yeah, know that's yeah. that's how these things go right right yeah I, I I had a someone call me up recently out of the blue like I find like the ones that you don't know the people that are considering you that you don't know I don't know it just never works out it's like maybe one out of 10 might work out for me yeah so and I find it's a waste of my time yeah I end up getting on the call they don't know me I don't know them very well. You try and have a half an hour call and it goes nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, why? I just wasted, a, you know, an, I just wasted <laughs> probably three hours of my time because I usually prepare a little bit for the meeting. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I just wasted my time. When am I going to learn? You probably need a salesperson <laughs> in your team. <laughs> because um, I've, I'm probably about the same stats is probably one in 10 is actually worth dealing with but you still need to deal with the other people uh they seem to suck out time so you need to be able to quite quickly weed those people out so. mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm learning and I, that's one of the good things that chris doe helped me with i think there's an episode where we talk about you know weeding out the clients very quickly and he mm. he's very good at it and i've learned from him to just to to do that to ask a couple questions beforehand to really to find out you know what's your budget what's your timeline how important is this project and from those answers you can you can really gauge whether or not Mm. you should continue Mm. I think it's worth asking you a question about the videos with with Chris because that's how I know you and uh, I can imagine listeners that already know you, they probably know you from Chris's videos because uh, the, the the Future channel is quite popular on, on YouTube mm. now. But what mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, I mean, ignoring the fact that, that Chris is on uh, YouTube and stuff like that, you basically went to him for con- for consultancy. Mm-hmm. How beneficial was asking for help from people that offer consultancy for you? You know, it was interesting talking to Chris. I really wanted to get a different point of view um, and also to meet more people in LA. I'm fairly new to LA. I, I had been here maybe four or five years. And, um, you know, again, like having good contacts is, is so important. So that was one of my reasonings for reaching out to Chris was so that I could meet more people here in LA and, um, and also to kind of get myself out there more, get over my fear of speaking on camera that's always an issue of, you know, just being able to speak publicly and get in front of people. It, it, it's talking to your clients can be hard. Mm-hmm. So the more you get, put yourself out there and put yourself in, in positions that are uncomfortable, the yeah. more you will grow. And so this just seemed like a really good opportunity to make myself uncomfortable yeah. and see where that would see where that would go. And so I reached out to Chris and he was um, very open to having me come on the show. So I took that opportunity and um, it was hard. It was hard getting in front of that camera and talking to someone that I didn't really know that well and asking, you know, what their point of view would be on starting a business in your 40s. Definitely there were some positives that came out of that and some, you know, advice that, that advice that was helpful and some advice that that wasn't as helpful i mean i can continue talking about what i i don't want to ramble on <laughs> no, no no i think um 
one big thing I got out of that is that I know that you're an introvert. I am too. And doing these things uh, is hard for most people. Most people are not comfortable yeah. with getting on camera uh, or being interviewed like you are now yeah. um, or, or anything like that. And right. I, I think it's good to talk about that as well because sure. obviously you're building a business and, and in order to build that and uh, grow the agency, you are having to step out of your comfort zone yeah. and it probably wouldn't be growing as much as, as it is. And anyone that's listened to the first episode can probably hear that I was pretty much crapping myself doing the first one because <laughs> I was so nervous oh. and you know you getting on that and now you're on this show it's funny how these yeah. things happen but I, I think it's good to step outside your comfort zone yeah. and get in front of camera do voice and different things to um, get the opportunities like you are yeah you have to face your fears for sure I mean I, when I started out as a designer I think that's you know, one of the reasons why I loved being a designer is because I thought, oh, I can just sit behind the computer yeah. and no one will bother me. And I can just sit here for hours and do what I love. And then when you get to the agency, that's not true. They're, yeah. they're like, okay, you have to present, yeah. you have to go pitch, yeah. you have to, you know, talk about strat. I mean, they would run us through uh, the, the, mill, the mill. I mean, every... Not only did we have to pitch to clients, we they would make us pitch to the managing partners um, a couple times a year. We would have to present our brands to the partners. And you're constantly put on the spot. Anyways, so yeah, you have to face your fears if you want mm -hmm. to um, you know, move up. And especially if you want to have your own agency, you need to be able to comfortably speak with everyone and anyone. And that's another reason why, like, sometimes I take my clients to lunch. It's just another opportunity. It's, it's hard. It's hard mm -hmm. to go out there and talk to these account people because sometimes they speak a different language. Yeah. And so you just have to become more and more comfortable with them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's I, one of the things that Chris tried to teach me. Sorry to interrupt no, you. You know, okay. Chris, there's an episode where he talks about, you know, just talking to everyone. And that that will help you to be more comfortable when you talk to your clients. Yeah. Yeah. I I find what you said then loops back to what we spoke about earlier. Like some of those situations that you was put in, you probably wouldn't have done them if you was on your own. You would have hid no. away or shied away from oh, those things. Yes. And it's it's by working <laughs> with those agencies you've been forced to do those things because mm -hmm. you're getting paid and it's a job. And if you didn't do it, you'd probably get fired. So you've mm -hmm. been pushed to to do those things in those agencies. And it's even though you're still yeah. an introvert and um, probably a little bit shy still like me, uh, mm -hmm. you are now comfortable to be pitching yes. things to clients, yes. to go on like Christo's youtube channel to be on podcasts like this you probably wouldn't have that confidence now if you didn't go through right. um that uh, 20 years or whatever it was experience at different agencies so it just stresses that point that it's it's beneficial if you do mm -hmm. want to create your own agency to build up that experience first and i wanted to make sure to stress that in this because i don't want young designer straight out of university to listen to this and think they can do the same go out there get the experience and then look into doing it and taking some of the advice from this episode and it's all and it's still 
difficult for me, but at least now I can just do it and, and be okay with the, the stumbles or the mistakes that I make, you know, if I'm talking to someone or or a client or trying to present and I, and I don't do it perfectly, I'm not so hard on myself. You know, I just go out there and do it and it's built, it builds your confidence. You know, I'm still an, an introvert. Yeah, sure. I'd still love to sit behind the computer and not be bothered. But, um, but now I know how to just do it. You just do it. It's part of the job and you get more confidence by doing it. And it, it's, it's a, a daily thing that you are always trying to improve on. Yeah. I've, um, I've always suffered from anxiety from quite a young age. So things like telephone calls, presentations, stuff like that. When I, when I first started working, they literally almost made me throw up. I was terrible. But you learn, um, you learn to cope with that like you don't necessarily get more comfortable as an introvert yeah but you learn to cope with those situations like for me I, I've learned that breathing posture helps but also the more that you do it you do genuinely get better but yeah I don't think it's gonna go away <laughs> yeah I still don't I still don't want to you know I get up and speak in front of huge crowds um it's hard. I go blank. Yeah. Like if when I'm up there, sometimes I, when I'm done, I'm like, what did I just say? Because I literally just in my head, I go pretty, I go blank and the words are just c- coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and then, you know, and it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But, um, luckily I don't have to do any kind of pitching like that. Now it's just more presenting and talking to my clients and that's yeah. so much easier. Yeah. But I think, I think you could do it if you wanted to, if you, if you know that it meant that's the only thing that you could do to get that, that project, you would still do it. And you, I would do it. You know yes. That you could do it do even it. if you don't like doing it. Yeah. Right. Right. I think we're near <laughs> the end of our time. We've gone through some really good stuff in this episode so far. So I'm just going to ask you one last question. Sure. If you could travel back in time and offer your younger self some advice from what you've learned um, in your career so far, what would that advice be? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just goes back to the agency thing. I know I keep repeating this over and over. I definitely would have tried to get my foot in the door at an agency at a much younger age out of college. I just had no idea. I didn't even know what they did there and what was what I could do. It's such a great job. And, um, I just wish I had started that sooner. And I also wish I had had Ethan sooner instead of at 42, I probably (laughs) would have had him a little bit earlier as well. But, um, you know, life is a journey and everybody takes their path differently and you take a couple steps forward and you take a couple steps back. Mm -hmm. So, um, that would be just be the one piece of advice is just, get into an agency and learn as much as you can because it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. We do have a little bit more time. Um, so okay. I just wanted to quickly ask you, uh, whilst I'm thinking about it, that agency experience, if you would go back and tell yourself that, is there anything in particular that you did to get that opportunity? Because I know with agencies, mm-hmm. they can be hard to get into. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's quite easy to say, go and work for an agency mm-hmm. and then you'll be fine but it's for some people it's just not possible it's really hard it's 
there any advice that you could give to people that are kind of in that position now looking for that agency job? Yeah. Well, what I noticed with some of the the people coming in who were trying to get in the door were the way that they got in was by um, working the the front desk, interestingly enough, and answering the phone. (laughs) They started there. And then you, and then from there, they um, were able to, you know, they, you, then you get to meet people and you yeah. say, hey, I'm really interested in copywriting or I'm interested in being a designer. Another way that they got in the door was through the studio, the production studio. They mm-hmm. start just being a production person. And then another way they get the, their foot in the door is maybe being an assistant to the creative director. So there are ways of starting at the bottom Mm. so that you can work your way up. Somebody even started in the, I don't know if they even have traffic anymore. Mm -hmm. I think traffic is an old, an old um, position, but they started, they would start in traffic, um, trafficking the, the projects from around the office. Now I think that just is done through PDFs Mm. in the email, but um, you know, you started a low level position and there sometimes are programs where they're trying to bring in interns. So I would seek out those internships. I interned um, many internships and I did it for free and I worked three jobs. And you just bust your butt and you do what you can do maybe for free as an intern just to get your foot in the door. Everybody wants free help. <laughs> mm, what I got from that, that would probably be quite relevant Um forever is actually building up your network you know getting to know other people and Mm -hmm. that's quite easy to do now online with uh there's a lot of free communities online there's obviously some paid ones as well but Mm -hmm. those communities mean that you can network with these people really easily and Mm -hmm. um you know if you're continuously looking and uh, working towards those goals those people should be able to help you on your way even if it's just for advice or pointing you towards someone else I think there's there's a lot of opportunities there by getting to know other people in the industry definitely definitely well we're pretty much at the end of our time um so I just want to say Rebecca thank you so much for coming on uh it's been really good talking about your story and I think you know there there will be people out there that would be in a similar situation to you that are trying to work out what they want to do next and I, I think what we spoke through should inspire them to take those next steps and, and to start building their own thing as you have wonderful it was so great talking to you and I really enjoyed it and hopefully yes that some of this information will help somebody out there I, I really hope so What an inspiring story. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on and for being so transparent with us. Now, if you want to learn more about Rebecca, be sure to head over to her website, craftwellstudio.com or check out the show notes for this episode, which you can find at logogeek.uk forward slash 3.11, where you'll find links to Rebecca's um, website, social media, any resources mentioned in this interview and a full transcription of the interview too. Again, to find those show notes, just head over to logogeek.uk forward slash 3.11. If you've enjoyed this interview and you want to discuss any of the topics mentioned, I recommend that you join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. And to find that, just head over to logogeek.uk 
uk forward slash community and when you get there make sure to briefly answer those questions that just helps me to to make sure that only the best people get into the community and because of that it just makes it a fantastic place to meet other like-minded logo designers from around the world thank you so much for listening and i will see you again next week for another exciting episode of the logo geek podcast